So it was a whole month it took us to raise the money to turn our power back on. So in order to turn it on, then I'm looking for jobs because there was no construction. So you were interviewing when we were without power at home. Yeah. And you had two jobs to choose between. Yeah, you could Bob be Evans. a manager as a assistant, Bob assistant, assistant manager. manager at Bob Evans yeah. or midnight grocery stock manager yeah. at Fred Meyer. And yes. you actually interviewed to be like a bad boy. I was like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you interviewed to be a bad yeah. boy. And, then I, and they were I, like, wait, you're not a bad yeah, boy. And I had three or four interviews and then found out that I was managing the grocery mm -hmm. department. Welcome. Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 36, and we're doing an episode that we have talked about before and never done yet. Been talking about it maybe for six months. Yeah, that's probably right. Mm -hmm. And the episode is Storytime with Arcade. So if you don't care about who we are or where we came from or how we got here, you could just skip it. If this is your first time listening and you're interested in just hearing more business development stuff, this is not the place to start. Mm -hmm. So this episode, oh yeah, let's talk about that, huh? So this episode is brought to you by Scotch. Scotch. This episode is brought to you by the last of the Christmas Scotch. There you go. Christmas Scotch is almost gone. So we thought it appropriate to have a Scotch episode for episode 35, Storytime with Arcade. Especially because this is a cursed episode. It is. So this episode is Cursed. Yes. Brought to you by Curses. Get ready to be cursed. <laughs> so we have tried to record this episode several times now. We tried once with the kids in tow, have them ask us questions about where we've been, and they did not really cooperate. You know, your kids don't necessarily care about where you came from. It's true. <laughs> they're really more interested in where they're heading than where anyone came from. Mm -hmm. And we have tried a couple times to record this just by ourselves and just kind of got lost because how do you tell your story? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we're used to telling little pieces of our story, but yep. telling the whole story can be a little daunting. Right. So that's why we're having Scotch to help with the process. There you go. So where we come to this episode, the reason that we wanted to do this episode is because we often get the question, how did you come to the kind of work that you do? Mm -hmm. How did you get here? Uh, and, and one of my favorites is, what gives you the authority to do what you do? Mm -hmm. what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of proof do you have yeah. that, that you are valid at doing the thing that you That's do? That's right. I mean, other than the experience of doing it and having done it and having good results. Uh, so how do you find this? How do you find yourself in this line of work? And how did you get here? And kind of if, if maybe I wanted to emulate your career path, it's helpful to know more about how we got here. Well, and I think it, it just helps you understand us a little better to understand where we came from and yep. where we've been. It's so, our origin story, like Star Wars. It is. We, we did the, the power tool superhero origin stories Ex a couple weeks ago. Except way better than Anakin. Yeah. That was a train wreck. Yeah, that was a mess. Yeah. It was toxic. So, so if our career were the Star Wars series, what episode would this be? Man, I don't know. Like Return of the Jedi? I don't know, because then that would imply that we're like almost at the end, right? Oh, well, I guess. I mean, there's the whole like, like coming three into that power just and, came out and everything. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll let you know. Maybe, maybe like <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, mm -hmm. okay. right? Because like A New Hope is all the stuff we're talking about here, but mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi is like yeah. where we're going next. Okay. But we're like at Empire Strikes Back phase okay. now. So the Empire is crushing us. A little, a little bit. bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair. Empire Strikes Back. That's where bit. we're at. So right now, what we're going to talk about is, is basically our history as it relates to our work. So we're not necessarily telling all of our personal ins and outs and tidbits there, but the focus is really what, how we grew and learned in the business world. But like we talk about, you are one person yep. between your personal life and your work, and there are a lot of places where our personal life our personal lives really figure in to our work and what we've done, so there'll be some of that. So Mary and I were high school sweethearts. As much as we're not talking about uh, uh, personal pieces, that is kind of the fundamental beginning of Arcade and our, fundamental of Arcade of Art. Mm -hmm. Our partnership is... Beginning of our career. Yeah, our partnership is really at the core of what Arcade is. So we met in high school in journalism class. She was very cute and too young for me. He was hitting on the teacher. Of course. When I first... That was my first impression of Jason is like, wow, this guy is hitting on our young journalism teacher. First year teacher, right? First year teacher. Yeah. 
She was one of my favorite teachers. I really loved her. So uh, learning journalism together, and then we also started a creative writing club together. Mm-hmm. And uh, You were the junior gimp. Of course I was. That was the junior vice president. They, they didn't want to. You were the vice president. The junior, the junior, junior was. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, there was a president. We were mm-hmm. very Gen X, mm-hmm. very much Gen X, very 90s, whatever, never mind generation. Yeah. And they did not want to have a president and a vice president because yeah. that felt a little bit too much too like formal. the man. It was too much the man. Yeah, so it was the, the senior gimp and the junior gimp. Yeah, and so we built that from nothing and identified a teacher who'd sponsor it and basically ran that program together. Another teacher that you had a crush on. Oh, God. You, you, I still do. You hit on a lot of teachers in high school, Jason. Oh, come on. I was precocious. <laughs> right. Right. So essentially right out of high school then we got married and Mary was not quite out of high school mm-hmm. but we got married because we knew that we we wanted to do that and uh, <laughs> there are all kinds of stories behind that but there was no baby uh, it was not just a baby yet. what we wanted to do and felt like we wanted to be with each other and well Jason went away to school mm-hmm. for my last year of high mm-hmm. school uh, went away to college and we were apart for an entire school year and so when Jason came back we were ready to get married yeah. and that's what we did uh, and the neat thing about it is that we grew up together in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So as we're kind of figuring out who we, we are, then we grew together and then formed into the people that we are now, uh, having gone through that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we call it uh, Era One. Is that what we're doing here? Yeah. So this is actually uh, a, a uh, ripoff of Steven Universe. Okay. Because every time something major changes, then it's like another era. So these are milestones. Like yes. construction milestones. Yes, like yeah. construction milestones. Right. So, so era one yeah. of our career, the first important phase of our yeah. career, was Concord Roofing. Yeah. So Concord Roofing was a business started by my brother, and I started working with him uh, during the summers when I was a kid. Maybe 15 was when I started working with him. So the mantra of this era mm-hmm. was, the great thing about roofing is you can do it with nothing but a truck a ladder and a hammer. There you go. And we did that. That is what you did. And so I worked there for the summers and I worked for gas money. So I'd drive 30 miles each way and he'd pay me gas money and I'd work for free just to help him out. Um, But it was a really good experience and that's kind of the start of of my understanding of what real work looked like. Well, that's really why I think you ended up in construction Mm -hmm. was because you did that so early and found that you really liked the sense of satisfaction that came from starting out and yeah, having something at the end to show for it. And then uh, right out out of high school, then I started working with them, but then I went away for a year to to Indiana University. Mm -hmm. And we went together that time. That was mm -hmm. your second time at Indiana University. Well, your second year, yeah. Yeah. And, the, the challenge that, that I had is that I was going for what I didn't know. Yeah, you, you switched majors a few times. You first were thinking like IT, mm-hmm. and then you were gonna do business, yeah. and then you wanted to be a teacher. Philosopher. Yeah, you liked philosophy, but that's not you like ever how you living. make money. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I the last thing that I settled, settled on is that I wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point in time in Indiana, teachers started off at like 25000 a year. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I was not going to win any bread for the family doing that. We uh, knew that it was my plan to stay home mm-hmm. with our kids when they were babies. And so when we're going to school and we're paying our own way and we have the last can of food in the cupboard, mm-hmm. we, we realized that this is not working and it's not going to happen. Um, and I knew that that path wasn't necessarily the right path anyway. So then we. Do you remember when we ran out of all the food mm-hmm. and there was no food left mm-hmm. and you were going to school mm-hmm. and I was actually working at a law office but yep. making next to nothing? Like $5 an hour. And there was literally no food. Mm-hmm. And then you had gotten paid. And you oh, came yeah. home and you told me. I was me, working at a lawn company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you told me, you called me on the cell phone and told me to close my eyes. Yeah. And then you came in and you had a bag of White Castle. Yeah. And I told you to smell it. <laughs> yeah. You held yeah. it under my nose. And it was like the best thing that ever happened like in my life was so we'd been, you those home. We'd been living out of a can for like weeks and months. Oh, and again, and then we came to the last can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then I called my brother out of the blue. He's five years older than me. And I had said, uh, if I moved there next week, would you have a job for me? 
Well, and you said, can I be a foreman? Because mm-hmm. you didn't want to just be a laborer. You mm-hmm. wanted him to make you a foreman. Yeah. And he said yes and said, of course. So then I showed up and basically we packed up our life in Bloomington, Indiana and moved back up to work full time for Concord. Uh, and so this is a family business and I'm the younger brother and Mary and I work there together. So that this is where if you've been in one of our training sessions, you've heard me say I spent one summer on the roof and I did. And I feel like I'm so glad I did that because it informed a lot of what came later as I was a construction worker's wife. But I worked one summer on the roof and then winter came and it got cold and I decided to learn accounting. So in Indiana, the weather can be pretty brutal. Uh, The hottest day was 110 on the roof and that is probably 130 on a black roof. Mm -hmm. And the coldest day was 30 below. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you threw your wedding ring off a roof just to troll me? It was funny. It was not funny. It was your (laughs) wedding ring. I found it. He was like, I watched where it went. I saw right. where it went. He threw it off the roof, dude. So, so my brother had struggled for a long time to uh, make his business successful. And he was kind of the first interaction that I had with many of the, the, the contractor types that we work with now. Mm-hmm. That is a tradesperson who's really good at their trade. They He's understand their really trade. really good at roofing. He's very good at it. He understood it backwards and forwards, mm-hmm. but he was not great at the business piece. Mm-hmm. And and that was the first place that I recognized that that I felt like I knew things about running a business mm-hmm. that I wasn't taught, that, that I didn't learn in school, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like I knew the answers and we knew the answers to mm-hmm. improve it. So I said, hey, uh, what do you think if we take over your business? I think actually how it started is we were young, know-it-alls, yep. and we were constantly we telling him, you know, if you did this, it mm-hmm. would work better. You right. know, if you had processes, it would work better. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if we had an employee handbook, yep. and also I was already doing the accounting at that mm-hmm. point, so I had built an entire accounting system from yep. the ground up. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I was harassing him constantly about, yeah. you know, you need to do things this way. You know, you need to keep records. Right. And Pay taxes. he got really tired of us being the younger. Just nagging. Just nagging him. And he said, you know what? If you think you are so smart and you think you understand yep. the way the world works. That attitude was there. Why don't you do it? Yeah. He said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of running mm-hmm. a business. All I want to do is sales. Yeah. I like meeting with the customer, figuring Driving out around. what the customer needs, yeah. setting up the work, yeah. setting up the guys. That's what I like. So, so you guys do all the rest and let's just see how right you are about all these ideas. So then we had the leash. We had the freedom to run and and we took the business and we started off with, I think, three employees at that point. Mm-hmm. And over six months, we built it out to about 10 to 13 in that neighborhood. We hired like distinct crews. Mm-hmm. And with distinct uh, potential leadership, mm-hmm. uh, folks from the military who had, had leadership experience. Yeah, we had a training program. Mm-hmm. Well, we developed a training program. Yeah, we developed a training program. We, we developed a payment structure, a pay structure. Mm-hmm. And we got uh, benefits mm-hmm. for those guys, yeah. which was unheard of. Yeah. Uh, we bought a piece of property outright, and mm-hmm. uh, we're developing plans for an office. Mm-hmm. We bought new tools. We got new trucks. We were gearing mm-hmm. up, and all this in a very short period of time. And we had wads of petty cash mm-hmm. that the likes we'd never seen before. Wow! And the petty cash was actually where the, the blowout began yeah. to happen. Yeah. Uh, but. Suffice to say, what yeah. ended up happening was that ultimately the older brother had had enough of yeah. the younger brother telling him what to do, and it didn't really help that it was actually working. It was working. Yeah. And that wasn't really, I don't think that was what he expected. I think he expected things to continue to go the same as they ever had, yeah. and for us to go, you know what, you were right, this is really hard. Yeah, it's too hard. I guess now I understand what the reality of it is. And I feel so, like a millennial will feel in 20 years. Right. <laughs> right. But so then we ran that out and, and it was a really good experience because we got our hands dirty uh, and we actually saw a bit of what we were capable of. Well, we got to take those ideas we had that seemed like they would work. They felt right. And actually put them into practice mm-hmm. and be able to, to see what happened when yeah. we did those things. So that fell apart. Uh, <laughs> kind of spectacularly. So we, at, at that same point, we bought a house and we bought a car. And we bought those because we 
had regular paychecks who were running real payroll and had regular paychecks coming in. And then it was actually like a week week before our mortgage went, before the papers were signed, that that all blew up. And I remember that because we were a little nervous Mm -hmm. because everything was kind of getting emotional, Mm -hmm. that maybe your brother was going to actually tell the mortgage company that he was firing us like right before. And he didn't. He was good. He let that go. Let us get our mortgage, but I don't. I don't even know that it was firing. No, but no. I think we left. We left, but I guess the point there is separation. It was a it. It was pretty mutual. Uh It was a pretty mutual separation that happened. Everyone was was ready. No one was begging to be done. And he was not entirely happy with you at that moment in time. The the relationship was mended. Yeah. But for a little while, things were hot. Yeah. And I know, I remember that there was a little like, what if he says or does something Mm -hmm. that causes our mortgage to not happen? Sabotage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he did not. Mm -hmm. So. So that was arrow one. So now we have a house. Mm -hmm. We have a car. Yeah. We have no jobs. We have. Either one of us. Work experience. Yeah. But basically now we are unemployed because we've both quit our jobs. Right. Yep. So you. Actually, do you remember how we started Phoenix Mm-mm. Exteriors? No. You went down to Beach Walk, mm-hmm. which beach. was the yeah. vacation community in yeah. that area. You can look it up, Google it. Where you always wanted to work. And I think you and Rob had maybe done one or two of those. There were a number down there, yeah. And so you went to some of the people that you knew. I just cold and said, called them. And hey. Said, you need a roof done? I want to do your roof. Yeah. And I know one of the first jobs you got early on was this job that was this, you'll remember maybe more than me, it was this special siding. Oh, that was with Clark. Yeah, it was with Clark. It was in the house that we actually. Yeah, so it was like a a plastic shingled siding. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like it before, but it was money. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, I can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he said, okay, I'll Mm -hmm. give you the job. And then you realized that you knew nothing about installing that product. Oh yeah, so that, I think we're jumping, yeah. No, it's no. so I did I did roofing work. Yeah. I did roofing work, uh, but that was not my first job down No, but, there, it, was but it was early. It was early days. Yeah. And so I took a job that that you should not take on being one person. Yep. Uh, it was much too big. It was uh, I want to say a couple thousand square feet mm-hmm. of product that I had never touched before. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that didn't go super well and basically I started to install it and uh, recognized that there was a problem. And then basically rolled back to hourly for that piece of work to kind of help out and close that out. But Phoenix Exteriors was our roofing business that I'd started. Roofing and siding. Yep. And the the purpose of that or the the target of that was uh, residential roofing and siding. And we um, built that out by ourselves. But Mm -hmm. I still feel like to this day it was kind of half-hearted because I was still bruised from uh, the the experience working with Concord. Well, and I, because uh, when I worked for Concord was the first time I'd ever done anything with Mm -hmm. bookkeeping. And so when we started Phoenix, I did all of our bookkeeping, Mm -hmm. but I realized that I knew just enough to be dangerous. So I went back to school and took several classes on accounting and bookkeeping and uh, kind of the whole administrative end of business. And I, I took quite a few of those, mm-hmm. although that was not the, the direction that I ended up. At some point I realized that I didn't really want to get a whole degree in accounting. In accounting? Super exciting. It's, well, and, and at some point, mm-hmm. like you get to the point where you go, okay, it all makes sense. I know, yeah. I know what I'm doing now. I'm, I don't need to be a tax attorney, right? Yeah. Um, and then ended up shifting gears into IT. But the yeah. point is while you were at Phoenix Exteriors, wasn't I going to school? I think so. Yes. I think that is yeah. when I when because yeah. I started going back to school before you did. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so then I would I was very fast. I was very good at it, but I was kind of in the, just the work mode. Put your head down, make money, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really paying attention to building the business at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, that was really just a way for us to pay our bills while we figured our stuff out. And then, uh, um, do you remember what made you decide to go back to school again? I do, but we're not there yet. Well, but it was while I was going to school that I was mm-hmm. bringing home materials for you and paperwork. Mm-hmm. So before you actually decided to go back, what we're actually... We're not there yet. We are. Mm-mm. No. You, it was when you went you back know, to school. There's era 2.5 that you're missing here. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So 
the way that that played out was that I did roofing and siding, uh, and then September 11th happened. Mm-hmm. And that's um, the end of Phoenix of Era Two. Yeah, right. And so September 11th happened. Uh, all of the work that was going on stopped for months on end, mm-hmm. and we were living hand to mouth. And you also had a miscarriage. And when I was I was off of a job, taking care of you. Yeah. So that was it. So I. I well, on that, so see, you don't let me ever tell the story. Go ahead. So I brought home a bunch of paperwork for you that had actually uh, a degree in architecture. Mm-hmm. And you were thinking about becoming an architect, which I think is really funny. You're still jumping the queue. I'm it's not. not it happened. I'm not. It is. So you didn't go to school. It was months after I brought home the architect. I was at Fred Meyer. No. Yes. No, not the architect. I was there for six months. No, because you, when you decided to go... Mm-hmm to school mm-hmm. it was like you were had long since decided you were not going to become an architect so you were no 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 I so still didn't know is, it so you're not point. paying attention I didn't know at that so, point. so I went to school and you were not going to go to school you yeah. were not interested in going to school you yeah. had no interest yeah. so I brought you home something I'm like look an architect and you were like Maybe I do want to go back to mm-hmm. school but you still were plugging away sure. doing the Phoenix exteriors thing you were. Let us agree to disagree. So then I got pregnant mm-hmm. and we started making plans for what our life was going to look like. Nope. Yes, we did. When I got pregnant. Uh, oh, okay. This is miscarriage. We went and looked at a different yep. house. Yep. There was a whole... Yep. You don't remember all that, I do. but I do. I do. Yeah. So we went and... Uh, so then, yeah, I had a miscarriage. Actually, I stayed up all night mm-hmm. at my sister-in-law's side. Mm-hmm. While she had her baby, I was in the delivery room with her. I was the only one in the delivery room with her. Stayed up all night, like three months pregnant, and then the next day went back to the hospital with a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And you stayed home with me. You were on a job that was already going rough. Mm-hmm. Relations were rough yeah. with the homeowner. And, or was he a homeowner? He was I mean, a homeowner. Was it? Yeah, but he ran like a shitty HVAC company. Okay, I thought, I thought it was like some kind of a business guy. Uh-huh. And uh, you had to stay with me at the hospital and not go to the job. And he called you up and said, if you aren't on the job, there are going to be consequences. And you said, well, I have this thing going on and I'm in the hospital with my wife. And he said, I don't care. And he took your tools. He mm-hmm. took your compressor and said, I gave you a down payment. You didn't finish enough work. Mm-hmm. You're off the job. You didn't finish enough work to make up the down payment that I gave you. So I'm keeping your tools as recourse, mm-hmm. which basically was the end of that business. Yeah. So it See, was. that was the right order. Eh, no. Yes, so, it was. No, 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 no. So, and then I worked. It's foreshadowing when you it, thought about ooh, being an architect. It's like the I gun think, on the wall. Yeah, I think it's funny that okay. you thought about being an architect that early on because by the time you actually went to school, you already knew you didn't want to be an architect. Well, there's a conversation that steered me that way. But uh, then I had the worst job I've ever had in my life that was working midnight. I was a midnight manager at a grocery store. You had two choices. You went to a bunch of interviews because yep. actually our power got turned off yep. for an entire month. Yeah, that's a different story. Well, but I mean, that is a, a part of the story, sure. right? So our power got turned off for an entire month because, and I'll keep it brief, because there was a budget program. No, you don't want to go into that? Oh, go for it. Because it's our power got turned off and we couldn't turn it back on yep. because they wanted way more money than we had. Yep. There was a budget program. Uh, from before we moved into the house so that they only charged us what the old lady who lived there before us mm-hmm. was paying. Yeah. And then basically what we learned was when we missed our power bill because our business had closed down mm-hmm. and we had a so miscarriage. instead of a, a utility bill of $100, it was $1,000. It was $2,000 that they wanted. Mm-hmm. But so our bill was high, was slowly accruing this balance month after month that somehow we never got visibility. We had no idea until... We missed our payment. They turned off our power. We called them and said, we've got your $200. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, now you have to pay the whole balance that you accrued over the budget program of $2,000, right. which to us at, at that point in time may as well have been $2 million. Yep. So it was a whole month it took us to raise the money to turn our power back on. So in order to turn it on, then I'm looking for jobs because there was no construction. So you happened. were interviewing when we were without power mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. And you had two jobs to choose between. Yep. You could Bob be Evans. a manager as a Bob assistant, assistant manager. manager at Bob Evans, yep. 
or midnight grocery stock manager yep. at Fred Meyer. And yes. you actually interviewed to be like a bad boy. I was like, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> you interviewed to be a bad yeah. boy. And, then I, and they were I, like, wait, you're not a bad yeah, boy. Yeah, I had three or four interviews and then found out that I was managing the grocery mm -hmm. department. So uh, then I ended up quitting that job because it was one of the worst situations ever. Only job you ever quit? Only job I've ever I quit. I mean, it's if we no. don't count con. No, well, no, 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 no. Left is different. Yeah. That was a quit. That was, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. Yeah. You didn't and, even put in notice. And I wrote a letter and, and basically explained what was going on, but uh, they it was not worth coming back. And this is different from Meyer, which is a, a grocery chain in Washington. Very similar story. I feel, mm -hmm. I still feel like there's maybe some connection. They're like but, twinners. But Meyer is different than Fred It was Meyer. also the founder of Meyer in Washington. It was mm -hmm. also named Fred. Yeah. So go ahead oh. and confuse it. Yeah. But they're different last name spellings. Anyway, so then that was the only job that I quit. And that was when you were really pushing the documentation to me about going back to school. Mm -hmm. And I was yeah, becoming more so and more interested. Yeah, because you were so miserable working yeah. midnights. Yeah. And then I went back to school uh, looking at architecture, civil engineering, and construction management. Mm -hmm. So then I went back to Clark, who was the, the guy that I had done work for and botched the siding job on. And Did you botch the job? Initially, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a total whiff. Um, and then uh, went back to him and I said, I'm going back to school. Can I work for you part-time, full-time uh, as a carpenter while I go to school? And we worked out a schedule that worked for everybody. Um, and one of the first jobs that he kind of pulled me in on to help manage the project management end was a job that he had no contract on. So basically yep. he was building a job, he had no contract, he had no drawings, no specifications. Uh, he was not done building the job, but the owner was done paying for the job. Mm -hmm. And I knew both of the guys, uh, but and they were both good guys, but there was basically a disconnect there. So my job was to come in and identify those disconnects and find a way to get them to talk again because they weren't talking anymore. Um, so that was the first PM level job that I had for him. But then I went to work as a carpenter and he taught me everything about residential construction from excavation to HVAC, electrical, siding, uh, finish work, cabinetry, all that good stuff. He was a really good guy. He was. And so he was- Hopefully still is. Yeah, hopefully. And so he was- Still alive. Definitely more like a, a father figure in that situation. And as we were going to school, I let him know that we were going to be leaving because we had young kids at that point. And I wanted to, so in addition um, to working for him in that, in that capacity, we built out his estimation process. We built out the design process, the contracts process. Yep. Uh, Mary built out the whole office back end. Um, Payroll. Yep, taxes, all of that stuff was built out in that era. And so again, we're in the situation where we have a tradesperson who's really gifted and skilled, but is missing the business aspect. Well, and that was another really fortunate time for us mm -hmm. because he really trusted you mm -hmm. and really just said, you know what, you seem to know more about this stuff than I do, yeah. just go, go with it. And he really gave you, I think, entirely a free hand. He never really questioned any of the decisions you made. Yeah. He gave you the authority to do that, and you got to just run with run. it. And again, I think that was really important to our early experiences of learning how to do this kind of work was mm -hmm. that freedom that we got to just run with it. And he never, unlike your brother, never backed out of that conversation. Scotch number two, mm -hmm. Mark. Mark. <laughs> He never backed out yep. and was prepared to hand his business over to you. Yeah, and um, he offered to build us a house. Yeah, when we left, so I, I gave him six months' notice that we were leaving. So I knew that that when I was going to graduate, and I knew that we wanted to move and leave and raise our kids someplace else. Yeah. And while you were going to school full time mm -hmm. and working full time and renovating our house. Yep, and I finished up going to school, mm -hmm. and we had two babies mm -hmm. all during that time and as our daughter got older we understood that indiana wasn't where we wanted to raise her mm -hmm. if you've ever been to understand if you've ever been to indiana you understand. Yeah. if you've ever been to indiana then you probably understand why we wouldn't want to raise our kids there and if you haven't been there just trust me yeah we don't need to verify it's cool <laughs> just trust yeah uh but so we gave six months notice that we were leaving and um 
he teared up and uh, didn't want to hear it, didn't want to talk about it. And uh, then it was three weeks before we left that he came to me and said, are you going to hire a replacement? Mm -hmm. And prior to leaving, he offered to build us a house and buy us a house outright and offered to buy me a truck. Yeah, he wasn't going to give us the house, but... Oh, he was going to give us a house. Not for free. Yes. He, I thought he was going to let us do, like, land contract. Mm -hmm. He was he's just going to give us, us a house. house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He, yeah, he I, he would have. Property was cheap, right? Materials are relatively cheap. Yeah, that's true. It, it would have been a great investment. That was one of the hardest things we ever did, because mm -hmm. the truth was that Clark really loved you, mm -hmm. and you didn't really have a dad, and mm -hmm. Clark didn't really have a... Well, Clark didn't have he a didn't son. He didn't have kids. No, he Period. had a stepson. He had a stepdaughter. Stepdaughter. No. It was a stepdaughter. There was a boy with a Nephew. prison tear down. Nephew. No, that was, that was his brother-in-law. <laughs> okay, I just remember the prison tear I think tear he's drop. dead now, but it was his brother-in-law. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was Got his. It. it was his wife's brother brother not her son got yes. it okay yeah and he had a nephew not the same yep um, but anyway so we were looking for opportunity and we literally sent out a hundred resumes to Pacific Northwest looking for some uh, what was our next phase what was our next well, era so we era, we era, era. actually sent resumes mm -hmm. to Seattle mm -hmm to Portland mm -hmm. and to Denver, Colorado. And Spokane. And Spokane. Yeah, and Bellingham, which yeah. we had well, no so idea what that was. Well, those were all kind of in, so in the Excel spreadsheet mm -hmm. that we were maintaining at that yeah. point, that was all part of the Seattle. That's how we do. It's true, still yeah. how we do. Yeah. So it was Seattle, it was Portland, mm -hmm. and it was Denver were the three locations in the country we narrowed it down to. Yeah. We had never been to Denver. Nope. We had never been to Portland. We'd never been west of Missouri. We had never been to Seattle. Yeah. We'd never been to any of those three places, but we just said, you know what? One of those. How about that? So we sent, yeah, I think at that point it was, it was 100. over a hundred. Slightly over a hundred. It was over a hundred resumes mm -hmm. that we sent out. And mm -hmm. we snagged lots of interviews, mm -hmm. but we ended up coming to just a handful. So the first mm -hmm. time we ever visited Seattle was when we came and did job interviews here. So the first interview was Lee Scratcher Lewis. Yep. And had an offer at that interview and uh, had a lot of life-changing conversations there. Mm -hmm. um, and the second interview was with Selen, which is mm -hmm. another top performer in Seattle, mm -hmm. and had offers from both of them. Um, and decided to work with Lewis. Felt like they were a better uh, uh, fit. Honestly, for the culture. as a as a wife, because mm -hmm. at that point I was staying home with our kids and I was really focused on being a wife and being a mom. Mm -hmm. And as a wife, Lewis was my favorite place that you ever worked. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the things that that I took away from that era is the understanding of with your employees, how much stability it brings if your employee's family loves you as a mm -hmm. company. Yeah. When you had to work late at Lewis, I never hated Lewis for it because they're benefits because their picnics mm -hmm. because the way that they took care of you and valued you was so great mm -hmm. and the way that they valued the families of the people that work for them mm -hmm. they really understood that relationship I think how important it is that not just your employees like you but that mm -hmm. their spouses like you so we'll say a wife who hates the place you work can yeah. be really destructive yeah. uh, we'll say that your most important clients as a business are not the people who pay you but are your employees mm -hmm. and that's a little bit of a misnomer because actually the most important clients are your employees spouses yep or your employees employees family right mm -hmm. so Lewis did a very good job at taking care of their number one employee mm -hmm. for sure absolutely uh, so we started off there and I started off as a PE and I knew nothing about commercial construction whatsoever mm -hmm. all I'd known is residential to that point and this was a whole different world and you were terrified I was yeah, and, and you thought was, you were going to understand a lot more mm -hmm. of that world because yeah. of your all your experience in yeah. residential and I, your was, degree. Yeah, I was you thought you were read. ready. Yeah, and you were not ready. Nope, I was ready to and learn. You were as ready as you could be, but I just think you were overwhelmed by how much more it was than yeah. you thought it would be. So the the neat thing about Lee Scripture Lewis is that they ran a great ship. Uh, they had great organizational structure. They had heavy focus on process and system. And, and had a high importance that they placed in training. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I always really appreciated, that I learned so much. 
Um, if you look at the amount that I learned from going to Purdue for mm-hmm. construction management, I feel like it was it, it was paltry compared to what I learned while I was working at Lewis. Yeah. There was just so much, whether you're talking about working under a tyrant or working under the best project manager ever, mm-hmm. that experience grew me in decades. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Right. So while I was there, then there were a number of initiatives. I was always looking for opportunities to do extra things. Mm-hmm. So even as a brand new green PE. No nothing PE. You went and jumped immediately into helping Lewis to develop a mentoring program mm-hmm. because you had a great mentor. Mm-hmm. And we had a spate of new hires. So the challenge that they had was that they were struggling to bring on all of these new hires with low experience level. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, this vacuum that was created with high level experience. Mm-hmm. So I was part of the pilot program to create a mentoring program at uh, Lewis. Mm-hmm. And the pilot group came up with the idea that part of this mentoring program mm-hmm. was going to be this database that was going to help link people to the right mentors. With the right skill sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was basically fresh out of school for being a coder with nowhere to put all of that because I was now a stay-at-home mom. And I built out a database for Lewis Mm -hmm. that they used as kind of the prototype. They ended up having something more professional built. Uh, But I remember that because I remember they gave me a gift card for dinner at Mm -hmm. Seastar. With a personal letter. With a personal letter. It was very nice. And it was a restaurant that at that point in time, we could never have afforded Mm -hmm. that restaurant. And it was a really meaningful, we flew my mom out Mm -hmm. to come and stay with the kids. So that we could go out to dinner. So that we could go out to dinner and use this gift card that Lewis gave me. And that's something that I will always remember. Mm -hmm. So... We, we, I did a number of projects for them, and the last one was uh, part of Amazon headquarters, mm-hmm. of course, because everyone who's worked in Seattle in construction has it's worked on Amazon. something to do with Amazon. Uh, but we put up four buildings for them, and at the end of the project, then they said, we would love to keep you. They were cutting people like like corn well, stalks. So right? in the same way that we lost our siding business mm-hmm. when September 11th happened, yeah. we lost our place at Lewis mm-hmm. when 2008 came because everything was everything was shutting down. Yeah, so it was 2008, yeah. And so they uh, said, we're not going to pull you off the job. We want you to finish the job. But if we don't have any more work, then we can't keep paying you. Uh, and so, of course, the breadwinner of a family of four, uh, I'm nervous and want to make sure that, that I have visibility of that. I was not at work yet. Our kids were still really little. Little, yeah. And then we had an opportunity to move to Toronto and work on Trump Tower in Toronto. Uh, So I went, it was something like four days before Christmas, and had an interview, flew to Toronto by myself, Mm -hmm. uh, landed the job as an assistant project manager and a $300 million job, and then flew back and said, guess what, guys, we're moving to Toronto and we have to be there by January 19th. So it was less than 30 days from interview to you came, physically being in Toronto. So you came home, mm-hmm. I believe, from that interview mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Christmas Eve that you yeah. came home, and it was January 19th. Yeah. We had to be there, and I loved our house really so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I really did not want to go to Toronto. And it's funny because as we were planning this episode and kind of running through the outline, and we're, I'm talking through what we're going to talk about. And Jason goes, wait, you skipped Toronto. You didn't talk about yeah, Toronto. You just skipped it like, all together. Yeah, that's probably not <laughs> it's entirely not an accident. An accident. Yeah. So that was not great time for me. So mm-hmm. um, because of the way that our visa was structured, I was not able to work mm-hmm. in Toronto. So uh, it was a little rough. I had no, we had no real social no structure social there. Structure. We had a pretty rough go of it but did have a swimming pool well and jason worked a lot many many hours and this i think this was important because this was a point when i realized that i did not really want to be the wife of someone who works 60 hours 70 hours a week yeah it's a career path well and then transit on top of that too so i and and our car could not be plated in canada for reasons that had to do with 
the make and model of the car, which yeah. we didn't know that was a thing that could happen yeah. until we got there. You had to spend thousands of dollars to bring a very cheap car up to Yeah, It was a Saturn. Mm-hmm. It was a... Oh, like an so SL2. It, it was a Sega Saturn. It was a Saturn SL2 is what it was. It was a maroon Saturn SL2. And so it was in commission. It was black. Was it the black one? I think so. Did we have the maroon one earlier or after? Know. It doesn't matter. Anyway. You guys don't care what color it was. Yeah. The point is that car, until we were able to use it with the United States plates until on Until they it, expired. Until they expired. Yep. And then once they expired, we could not get new plates mm-hmm. and it could no longer legally be driven. Yeah. So for the last, like seven months or something of our time there we had no car which i know some people do exist that way but we were out and way out in the suburbs yeah we were not in a place where you could just easily hop and get wherever you needed to go so when i started at uh trump tower then i started off at about 12 million of management yeah so I'm, I'm running about 12 million dollars worth of yeah stuff. make sure you you put that carefully we were not making 12 no 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 <laughs> no no and it's canadian so we, it's like 12 dollars. actually here. that christmas yeah we were things were so tight that christmas because the cost of living is high in seattle it was higher in toronto yeah. it was very high and we didn't plan for it and we didn't we well, we didn't have time to plan for yeah. it and so we actually the, the christmas that we were there uh we thought we weren't going to be able to get a Christmas tree at all, and the kids and I were so game, and we made a paper Christmas tree on the wall. We said, this will be fine. It's true. And we put paper ornaments on it, and, and we were like, it'll be fine. And then one day, and I'm like, even if we want a Christmas tree, how are we going to get it? Mm-hmm. We don't have a car. <laughs> and so Jason came home, and it was like, I think, day before Christmas Eve. And I carried and it home Jason from the grocery store. Jason came home with a Christmas tree on his back that yeah. he walked all the way from the grocery store to our house yeah. with his Christmas tree on his back. That we really so couldn't afford. We could not afford it and, so that we could have a Christmas tree that And year. meanwhile, I'm managing $80 million worth of work on Trump Tower and killing it. And this was the office that we talked about, we've talked about in training before, the fact that these guys were hired guns. Jason wasn't the only one that got brought in from elsewhere in the country. They really brought in this team of kind of hired guns. And Jason was the only one on the team who had a family. So these were people who worked long, long hours, whose life was their work. And it was really hard for Jason to be a family guy on that job and to try to leave the office at a reasonable time. So this was the first opportunity that I had the chance to actually build up teams. Uh, and so I started building my teams and started building process in the management of that project. Uh, and toward the end of, of our stay there, I was slated to build my first condo tower. It was a 30-story, $80 million condo tower, and I was super jazzed to land it. Uh, my boss told me that, that he wanted me to run it. Uh, he's going to buy me a company car. He's going to give me well, a stipend. So a, a subcontractor mm-hmm. that worked for Jason mm-hmm. had also worked on a hotel at Niagara Falls. Niagara, yeah, on the and, Canadian side. Mm-hmm. And as a thank you for whatever it was that had taken place between the two of you, he gave it was us all above board. Yeah, he he gave us a, a weekend at that hotel and Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah, a gift certificate for the Brazilian steakhouse. So that was so good. That was actually really... I would go there now. That was a really pivotal trip for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were actually closer to my family in Toronto than we are here. And yeah. my mom was able to drive up and come spend the whole weekend with the kids. And that was like we were showing the house mm-hmm. at that, well, the owner of the house. We rented the house. Mm-hmm. And the owner actually was losing the house. It wasn't that he just chose to sell it, he was losing it. Yeah. So we were getting kicked out either One way. way or the other. We were gonna have to find another place yeah. to live, which I was not looking forward to because that's a whole nother story, but that was actually also very difficult in Canada. And we went to Niagara Falls and it was the moment of sort of stay or go and I thought I was stressed out and we were getting ready to move and we were getting ready to launch this whole process of looking for another job and leaving and you came to the table ready to have a conversation with me about what it was going to take for us to stay. What is it going to take? Because your boss had said to you Figure out yeah. what your wife wants. Yeah. Is it a company car? Is that it? You, she doesn't like not having a car. And the answer Do you want a nicer no, house? You want to? Yeah. You need help finding a better house. Mm-hmm. What can I do mm-hmm. to make you happy here so yeah. that you can he stay? He knew who the customer was. Mm-hmm. And we went, 
And what I said ended up being a mantra that we say all the time now. 200000 in a helicopter. $200,000 in a helicopter. Because yeah. I need to be able to go back to Seattle. That's U.S., right? Whenever I want. <laughs> yep, U.S. I need to be able to go back to Seattle whenever I want. Because yeah. I cannot live without my network. I need to be in Seattle. Yeah. And so... So the, the story there was that we were sending resumes, we're making contacts, we're We watching. were not yet. No? No, we were not sending anything. You said to me over and over again, you said, Mary, the bench is 10 people deep. Yeah. And there are people with more experience than me. Right there. Waiting yeah. in Seattle. I cannot get a job in Seattle right now. Mm -hmm. And that was what you said kind of from day one. Mm -hmm. And you said, when they start building in mm -hmm. Seattle again, that's when we can go back, when they start building again. And I said, okay. Now, mind you, I wasn't allowed to have a job. Mm -hmm. I was losing my mind Plenty a little of bit. time. I had nothing to do. Read DJC and Seattle Times and I watched all Post of, Intelligence. I watched all of Glee. Oh, <laughs> That's what kidding? I had to do. That's terrible. So I watched like crazy for when I could see evidence of building happening again. Evidence of life. Evidence of life. I can remember sitting and watching Facebook on Thanksgiving. On purpose? On quote-unquote real Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. Because Canada... The U.S. Thanksgiving? Yeah, Canada has Thanksgiving in October. October, yeah. So when that happened, I was like, meh, whatever. I kind of just ignored it. Right. And then, quote-unquote, real Thanksgiving happened. We're the only ones in Canada having Thanksgiving. And you had to go to work because mm -hmm. it wasn't Thanksgiving. It's not a holiday. It's and just I'm a day. And I'm looking at Facebook and watching all my friends and family celebrate with their friends and family. Post their favorite dishes. And we're not there and we're not having Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and I, like, was losing my mind. Yeah. So when I saw that they were going to build a glass museum in Seattle Center. It's a glass museum. What's a <laughs> like you, you need to that, ask that? You, no, you said that, and I was like, "What? What is that even? Like, <laughs> glass is like a thing that you make. Why would you I, have a museum for it?" No, actually, what you said is, "Isn't there already one of those in Tacoma?" Yeah, there's already one <laughs> in Tacoma. Like, do you really need more than two? And I was like, "I don't care if they need it or not. They're building it, and if they're building a museum, mm -hmm. then that means they're building again." This is the first project that kind of came to life that you saw, and you said. They're building one museum. One project. One project. Mm -hmm. I can't get on that one project. Yeah. You're there like, are it needs 10 people to waiting. Pick up more than that. Mm -hmm. But we're losing our house. Mm -hmm. You are like almost ready to start this new job. And I was like, no, we gotta go. We cannot mm -hmm. lock into another yeah. lease, another job. We another have two to years. go. We have to go. And so then we sent out another like hundred resumes. It was 175. 175 resumes. Yeah. We to tried everybody. so hard to escape the black hole of Toronto. So when I talked to recruiters, they would say, oh, we'd like to help you, but we need to know who you sent resumes to because basically we can't petition mm -hmm. those people. Right. And then I sent them my list of who I had sent resumes to and they say, oh, you sent it to everybody. You had people on your list that the recruiters didn't have on mm -hmm. their radar. Yeah. yeah. So I helped the recruiters out. Mm -hmm. And to this date, recruiters have never helped me. Not one time. Very nice people. It's always been on our own. Yeah. And I actually always made your resumes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And killed it. So we sent out 175 resumes to developers, architects, builders, residential folks. Did a Skype interview mm -hmm. that I thought got blown because our dumb dog came in and walked back and forth in front of the camera. That was part of the cell. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's Seattle, so, yeah. you know. So sure. I, I had seven interviews and I had seven offers mm -hmm. at that point in time, which was pivotal. Uh, and then ended up taking a job with Shoe Cart. And, and that was 2010, so things were just starting to wake turning, up again in just Seattle. Turning. And then uh, had an interview with Shoe Cart. They wanted me to run their Microsoft division mm -hmm. at that point and sat down with them in an interview and uh, they said, actually, we think you'd be a better fit for this. Uh, I, no, I think they hired you mm -hmm. to run Microsoft. I thought they didn't move you mm -hmm. to 
the other job the until later. Oh, was it the at the interview? interview? It was so it was protracted, right? So was it the physical in person interview? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they basically said, given your experience, we think you'd be better fit for this larger project. Mm-hmm. That was Chihuly Garden Glass. <laughs> and Jason called me from Seattle. I said, you're a freaking witch. <laughs> that's what he said. Right. And I said, look, whatever gets us home, yep. that's all I need. Yep. So that was the first project that she spotted. And that was the first job that I took back in Seattle. And it was not intentional because I didn't even know that Shukart had that job. And that you got back home. And that was all I wanted to have happen. If you are a fan of the podcast or the Scotchcast as it is. Scotch, Scotch yeah. soap. Feel free to reach out to us and let us know. What was the most interesting thing about this episode? Because part two is coming. Yeah, were you surprised about... Did you know that I failed my first sighting job? (laughs) Well, that's, I think, why this episode was so good, Mm -hmm. is because I think it's important to talk about all of the things that we did that that were not perfect, Mm -hmm. and all the things, all the mistakes... There was a lot. All the mistakes that got us to this So many mistakes. So we are going to continue this episode next week, and tell the rest of the story. Here's the inopportune pause uh, break between part one, part two. Mm-hmm. Please come join us again if you want to hear the rest of our story. Like Are Paul you Paul Harvey? Harvey? Paul Harvey. <laughs> oh, hashtag Paul Harvey. Hashtag Paul Harvey. Because you know what? Paul Mother Harvey. Maybe this is like an, an unpopular opinion, mm-hmm. but I really loved Paul Harvey. You know, he's not been problematic yet. I know he's dead, but like... Yeah, I feel like I can't imagine he I was can't problematic. Imagine no. So if you don't know who Paul Harvey is, he did a show on NPR called The Rest of the Story. That's the rest of the story. Now so, you know the rest of the story. So if you want to hear the rest of the arcade story, check it out. Watch for it. Watch for it. So when we got back home, that I feel was, like this is easily two episodes. Yeah, it is. We'll do the intro for the second part at the Welcome. end. Welcome. Welcome to to Coffee with My Mom. This is not Coffee with My Mom. (laughs) Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about company culture. No, business development first. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This This is is Scotch Episode 2. This is Scotch Episode Part 2, The Scotchening. Scotchening.